Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. And I'm Matt. Welcome, Matt. Hey, buddy. Hey. This is a rare in-person record sesh. Yeah, rare in-person record sesh, rare re-record sesh. We're breaking all the rules today. It's a secret. <laughs> we get everything right the war. first take. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Matt, what is spectology? Spectology. I'm glad you asked. Uh, I uh, had to look this up. Uh, it's a science fiction book club <laughs> podcast, and we read a science fiction book once a month, and we have a big uh, pre-read episode, which we did already for this book, which we're mm. the book we're doing this month is A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martin. And uh, then we have a post-read episode, which is this episode, where we talk about the book in depth, all spoilers, mm. uh, you know, getting into it. Right. So if you have not read the book and don't want anything spoiled for you, uh, go listen to our pre-read episode. We talk about Arcades, um, what like her academic work as well as sort of like other kind of like interesting historical figures who might be in some way match the, the main character of this novel. Um, yeah. And I think we're, we're going to, well, we're just going to get into it here. So Matt, how did you like this book? I really like this book a lot. Um, this book, it was, it's interesting, you know, cause like I, uh, I thought, how do I put this? It's like, this book made me feel like I like had a new friend. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like, I, 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 you know, some books just kind of click with you like, and like whatever you feel, maybe you can see that you think they have some flaws here and there. They're not perfect, but in the way that like you have like a new friend who obviously your friend has flaws and you know, they're not a perfect person, but you still like, you just instantly like them. Mm-hmm. This book was like that for me. I just like liked it. I feel <laughs> subtweeted right now. <laughs> whoa, whoa i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> I, I don't know dude that was <laughs> that's profoundly not more, more about me than about you don't worry <laughs> i know um and i'm sure we'll we'll talk more about the details but uh yeah i mean things that i liked about the book actually just real quick like um i really liked the main character kind of as we talked about in the in the pre-read um the the sort of trope of a character like this somebody who's this intellectual figure from a marginal culture that's being oppressed by this large imperial power and the culture of that imperial power is seeping into their culture and almost you know threatening to destroy it um and yet they feel this like great kinship to the imperial culture and they're deeply interested in it and they they love it or they like love hate it or they like have this very profound and complicated relationship to it that the trope of a character like that is like super interesting to me and you know we talked all about that in the pre-read but I, I enjoyed this character a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would have, I would gladly read more about this, this character in this world. I also like the world building. It was really fun. I like, you know, Byzantine slash some Chinese elements like space empire. That's mm-hmm. absolutely my jam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into that. Um, yeah, I like, yeah, other stuff too. Cool. Like, what about you? What was your what was your feelings about this book, Adrian? Yeah, so uh, I actually didn't really like this book. Uh, this is, I think, maybe the first time we've really disagreed on the way that we felt about this book, and um, you know, it's also why we're recording this again because the first time it felt like a, like we both of us didn't really feel like we had done justice to discussing the novel because we got more talking about like the aesthetic pieces that I didn't like. So I think that's the first thing is like. I didn't like this for mainly aesthetic reasons. Like it wasn't a style that I particularly enjoyed. It wasn't a like story I particularly enjoyed. I didn't feel that way about the characters. I 
didn't really like them all that much. Um, and so it was the sort of thing of like, you know, this is the kind of book that normally I would have picked up, read the first, you know, like 30% of and been like, oh, this just isn't for me and put it down. Um, but, you know, doing books for the podcast, occasionally we pick books that neither of us have read before. Uh, you know, we got this on recommendation of several listeners through a Twitter account, several like friends of ours in real life. Like people are like, oh, you should read this. It's really good and you'll like it. And, um, you know, it just happened to not be for me in that way. Uh, and, you know, but instead of being like, oh, I'll put this down and like move on to the next book like I normally would, I instead had the other two thirds of the book that I had to get through. And that I think also sort of like, you know, my relationship to this book is one of like reading it and being kind of annoyed that I'm on vacation reading a book I don't particularly like instead of one that I do. <laughs> not the best. <laughs> right. No, not the best. Not the f most fair towards the book either. Like I can understand why folks liked it so much. Um, you know, like I said, I think I had a couple of issues with like Mahit, the main character, and we'll get into some of the stuff more. Um, she never really clicked for me as like a person. Like I, I never really felt like I really got who she was as like a kind of well-rounded character. Uh, the action never really felt that dramatic to me. Like I never felt the stakes of the action to any real degree. Um, and also, you know, and this is sort of like, I think really where the book lost me. Uh, I really enjoyed the first like, you know, I read it on Kindle, so I just know percents. The first like 15%, you know, the first like 50 or 100 pages somewhere in there. I even texted Matt at some point like, oh, I'm really liking this book. I'm glad we're reading it. Um, but the book does something really early on where the sort of like main conceit of the book is built up and then broken for you. And the rest of the book, you know, it's it kind of starts off with like she has this brain implant and it's this other person who she's constantly in communication with, as well as it's the secret from everyone else. And I found that really interesting. I really wanted to explore that more. I really wanted to explore like what does it mean to have another person who is like separate from you now, but also as you go on, they are becoming more and more like you're just merging into one person. All of that sounded fascinating to me. I was really interested in it. And then that brain implant like fizzes out and breaks and like goes away at like 10 or 15% of the way through the book and it never really comes back. And that was just deeply disappointing for me in this way of like, oh, I thought I was getting book A and instead I'm getting book B and I'm just like deeply less interested in book B as a type of book that I tend to read. So that was sort of my, you know, feelings on it. I also have like, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about some of the specifics. I have some larger, like maybe like, you know, critical political critiques of the book that I kind of want to separate away from just the pure aesthetic thing of like, yeah, not for me. I don't want to be like, Oh, it's a bad book. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to other people in the sense. Like, I don't know who likes it per se, but like, I know a lot of people like it and yeah. I don't want to diminish from like, I'm not trying to sit here and be like, Oh, bad, wrong book that people shouldn't read <laughs> in yeah, any way. No, totally legit. You know, <clears throat> I mean, this is this is one of the nice things that we can do. You know, in this podcast, is we can. It's actually really interesting that we haven't experienced this precise mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. yet. Like because we have such similar tastes that we often like will like the same things right. or not like the same things. Right. And it's a kind of it's a good experience. I mean, this is like a classic book club thing, you know, right? Like mm -hmm. some of the people in the club like the book and some don't. And you got <laughs> to get into it. You know. Yep. So, um, should we do content warnings before we move on any further? Yeah, I, I just realized so. we forgot to do uh, that. We did. We did. Um, so. Yeah. So. Uh, this book has uh there's definitely some violence that's explicit um mm -hmm. not as much as some of the other books that we've read 
Um, but you know, some on screen violent stuff. There's some medical stuff. Um, yeah, there's like a surgery that happens on screen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there's, the, there's a lot, uh, a lot of stuff about, um, multiple minds in the same body, which I don't, you know, there's different ways to kind of read that and experience that. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, people who, I, you know, I'm not sure even how to describe that aspect of the book to, right. to people. Well, we'll sometimes know, like talk about books that like involve this sort of like, you know, loss of agency or like mind control as like a thing that can be particularly, you know, triggering to some yeah. folks. This isn't that exactly, right. although maybe it's like adjacent. Uh, and so we'll be, you know, we'll just be talking about that and yeah. kind of the issues of like identity and mind um, that totally. comes up. Shades of the uh, Hexercrit stories. Right. And, uh, we read uh, Nine Fox Gambit on this pod, a little bit of that kind of stuff. If you're familiar with that book and the relationship between multiple minds in the same body. Right. Although, again, this different, is sort of like but, very yeah. different. And, you know, the one other sort of content warning thing, I think, is there's a, I, like when I was reading this book, I was really surprised. There's some like sort of like gendered language that's used in a very like disparaging way uh, throughout the book that the like main character uses towards herself. And there's, there's some stuff around like gender that I think we'll talk about too, gender identity and like the way the book handles yeah. that. And then of course the big one, which is something the book is, you know, engaged with very directly is, you know, um, colonialism, like yeah. this massive colonial project. And especially, you know, if you have any kind of sensitivity towards, you know, feeling like your culture is being destroyed by another culture. I mean, this book is about that. So yeah, in some ways, <laughs> like how well it does that, I think is another thing we can discuss here. Well, I think, <laughs> as you know, I, I probably just think it does it better than you do. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I kind of wanted to talk about like some of the stuff. Yeah, I'm not even sure how to do this. I feel like there's yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff that I thought was really cool with the book. I almost kind of wanted to just like go through some go go through some things that I thought were were kind of fun and like you can give your take on them maybe you didn't think yeah yeah no let's do that that sounds good i mean i think that you know i mean there are also things i found fun about the book too i mean like we we do know we actually enjoyed a lot of the same things here i i feel in some ways you know when we talked about the book earlier it, it became very clear to me that a lot of it was like there were some things we just straight up disagreed on. And then there was a lot where like we had the same take and it was just a matter of like our preference values of like, you know, you also thought that wasn't great and it didn't bother you. I thought it wasn't great and it really bothered me or like we both agreed something was really good and like that didn't push it over the edge for me, whereas it did for you that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, I, really enjoyed the world building a lot. I think, um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, you know, I I could, you know, point to some aspects of it that I thought didn't work as well. And I think this is something we agree on, um, for sure. Um, things that I I really liked about the world building, I really liked the, there's this like, you know, in broad strokes, there's, this is kind of theoretically a book about multiple cultures interacting, but it kind of ends up being a book about one culture Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm the main character is from this marginal stationer culture that is being kind of, you know, gradually subsumed by this large imperial culture. Um, the Texcalan culture, Texcalani culture. Um, yeah, Texcalani. And, uh, and the book ends up really being all kind of about Texcalani culture. And, and you only get sort of snippets and like vague hints about like any other culture that might exist in this galaxy. And Texcalani culture is super cool. Like, right. I think it's and really interesting. And even Texcalani culture, what you really see is right. like what the culture of the court is like, yeah, because exactly. that's where the majority of the yeah. action takes place. Yeah, you know, it's, around this, the court. it's this, you know, massive, 
you know, uh, interstellar empire and, you know, presumably includes all kinds of, you know, conquered cultures and various, you know, different versions of the original imperial culture and all these things. But what you really get is you get this one particular court version of the like it's almost like you know if if this were in fact about byzantium you're getting a lot of the inner city of byzantium and the court itself right and not even necessarily so much of other parts of the city of byzantium or exactly. much less the provinces much less you know armenia if if we take mahi to be gregor magistros you know you're <laughs> not you're not really getting armenia at all no um, but I, I really like this version of like the inner city of Byzantium. It's super fun. It's really interesting. And there's an, a, a cool way that the book involves like giving you these snippets of imaginary literary culture, which yeah. is like one of my favorite things. I right. love imaginary literary culture, like references to like poems that no one ever wrote, but like <laughs> were written in the history of this, you know, world references to like, you know, people who, <laughs> this is my favorite thing is like references to like, like literary like people who are like critical of some poem that doesn't exist like right. someone who doesn't exist being critical of a poem that doesn't exist like you know that's all being you know referred to because it like is a vehicle to remind the main character of something or like a vehicle for like a secondary character to like make a point you know in some mm -hmm. dialogue like stuff like that is great i love that stuff <laughs> <laughs> um and i think that you know i think the book does a good job of kind of giving giving like a cool fresh uh, set of tropes in, in this stuff you know I mean I think using the way that Byzantine history and like with snippets of like other stuff too so it's not like a pure Byzantine clone um, is is really is is well done you know I, I really like for example like the way that poetry is handled was something I really thought was awesome mm. um, you know I studied some Chinese poetry uh, you know as part of learning about Chinese literature and the way that poetry works and, and J Japanese poetry too. And yet I know, I know nothing about the poetry of um, like ancient Rome and Empire, ancient yeah. Byzantium. And, and like, it's, uh, you know, uh, what this seems to me to be is this sort of interesting amalgamation of these different kinds of traditions so that you get this poetic culture of, that kind of mostly seems to work the way it did in certain eras of Chinese history, but like the actual, all the information you're given about how poems themselves work are not completely the same as how Chinese poems work. Right. So theoretically they, they have, they're written in ideographs, but they don't work the way that Chinese works. They have like metrical rules that are more similar to like, as far as I'm aware, they're more similar to like ancient Greek. Um, mm -hmm. I just thought all that stuff was cool. Like, I love the idea of like part of your world building project is you're like creating, you know, rules for how poetry works. <laughs> <That's> just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so there's this um, there's this guy I follow on Twitter named David Massad, who I believe I st is someone that like Ellie recommended to us as like someone cool. interested in like sci fi and you know, um, national security type stuff so ellie was like a national security game designer who was on our podcast hush, hush. say no more say no more right uh well for the for the listeners in case they haven't uh you know no no, no that was a joke I, <laughs> I'm oh. just, anyway <laughs> okay i don't get it still but <laughs> that, that will be a theme for this episode i don't get it uh but he he had this point of like how he really loved the way that um 
takes Kalani culture is like, you know, it's like these people who are so steeped in this literary tradition and are constantly like referencing literary tradition, like to each other and the way that they speak and how this, you know, has this very like rich and textured feel, which I agree with. Um, but the other point he made was that like, on the other hand, like essentially everyone in takes Kalan is mainlining social media 24 seven because they are constantly like hooked up to this kind of like news oh, yeah. thing. And oh, like yeah. a lot of these poems are essentially like memes, right? Like a right. lot of what they're doing is just like communicating in memes. And, you know, and so he made this point of like, on the one hand, the way it's presented is really beautiful. On the other hand, like, you know, from our point of view, like all of their brains are broken by being like nothing but meme machines and like social media machines. And I yeah. thought that was a really like interesting, like this kind of thing that I'd felt like while reading point. it. And I, and I thought it was this really kind of interesting point of like, oh yeah, that is this sort of like kind of push and pull of on the one hand it's like oh they're so like literary and then on the other hand it's like yeah but they're also like you know like you know um what's her name mahit writes a poem sort of at the at the end that goes viral mm -hmm. right and it's a critical plot point right it's a critical plot point is like she manages to write this poem that goes viral in the way that she needs it to in order to like get a message out to people um but then also like the other thing that the poem gets used for is a bunch of like ribald dirty songs that get written like yeah. based on it too because like some of the illusions she made could also be dick jokes right <laughs> and so of course like a lot of people use them as dick jokes yeah <laughs> and it just like instantly is out of control like she had she you know she had control of it for exactly as long you know as exactly an, until she hit send or whatever i i really like this ad that kind of ambivalence that's in it like Another thing that I like about Texcalani culture is the way that um, we are given only one POV on it, the POV of somebody who didn't grow up in it. Yeah. And there's this, I had this constant sense reading the book that like, that like Mahid might be wrong. Like a lot of the stuff that Mahid says yeah. might just be wrong, which I thought was cool. Like, mm -hmm. and especially when there are moments where like the quote unquote real Texcalani people like do things that Mahid doesn't expect. <laughs> right yeah there's a lot of that i i really liked that like i i i it's really that was like one of my favorite sort of details that gave me this strong impression of like what it's really like to kind of you know have this like theoretical knowledge about some other place and then you go there and you meet people and they're they're just people and they're doing and they're like, yes, they're similar to it's not like what you learned was wrong per right. se. But it's like, yeah, they do have these cultural things of like they try not to show emotion in their face and stuff like that. But also like they're still people. Yeah. And so and like they do show emotion sometimes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny because on the one hand, I like agree with you that that was great and really interesting. I remember there was one like specific, well, a, a little bit different. So I, I agree with you. I liked a lot of that, but it also got to some of the like ways in which I found this novel, like, you know, just, just like not my speed um, was that this sense of kind of Mahit often tells us that like, you know, like X thing or Y thing. And there, it often became a little bit unclear to me, like the degree to which we're supposed to believe her in that. And like, I don't know, there, there, there were these points where, especially when it came to like her doing her job, where that really got kind of like obnoxious for me, where she would, you know, say things about like, oh, I'm doing this for this reason. And it's this like great strategy maneuver that I have. And I'm like, I don't buy it as a like great strategy maneuver. I mean, like one in particular is when she is at this like party and she's talking with a lot of different people. And her idea is that like, well, you know, someone just tried to kill me. 
which you know the fact that she had a wall fall on her and then she's running like you know a minute later is like that's fine it's that kind of book so yeah, you know is. yeah um but you know it, like i just had someone try to kill me so i'm going to like you know act like i know less than i do and act like a barbarian and you know that's that's how she's considered by the culture as a barbarian bar, so bar, that's bar, kind bar, of bar. like their their word for her bar, 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 um bar. yes bars bars sitting on my lap right now also that's the sound barbarians make right there's also the sound i make when talking to my cat whose name is bear yeah (laughs) um but she you know has this idea but the way that that works out is that like she just ends up being kind of a jerk to everyone at this party like and in a way that to me felt unnecessary right like her goal was to like do something different and not get killed at the same time like she offends one person so bad that he later tries to kill her completely like unrelated to the like rest of the plots going on and like that kind of stuff just felt like or i guess not completely unrelated but like she had this thing of like she's doing such a good job at her like new strategy that she is kind of like unsympathetic and like not very fun to hang out with and like also I don't know if I buy that as like a great strategy. Like the book never really seemed to make the like case to me that like, oh, this is actually really smart, particularly because at this one party, she is doing that to more or less degrees, depending on who she's talking to. And anytime she's really going full on in like clueless barbarian mode, she's like, well, the camera, you know, the cameras or the feeds are on me right now. So I have to do this. And it became very unclear to me, like, well, why, why are the feeds on you with some people and not with others? Like, why are some people paying attention to these relationships versus these other like things that you're doing? And all of that felt very like, kind of like fuzzy to me. Like I, like in this way, in some ways the world was really like well rendered. And in other ways, the world as it pertained to the like specific actions and plots that were happening would be sort of like whatever it needed to be for the plot right then. And that did kind of that, led to this thing of like feeling like I didn't feel a lot of the drama because I could always be sure that like whatever they needed for the plot to happen like would happen like there was not a whole lot of like problem solving in the moment there was a lot of like uh oh this is going to be a problem but like you know someone else will figure it out it felt like to me yeah I mean I had a pretty different experience of a lot of the details you just mentioned but Mm -hmm. I think that the sort of running through what you're saying is is an element that that I wanted to 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 get into and that's that you know i think like because so many things in this main culture that we're focused on are well drawn and like there's a lot of really good detail about certain things i think it you know you notice there there are things that there isn't good detail on right there there are there are sort of (laughs) empty places kind of or what feel like you Mm -hmm. know thin places in the in the world building where it's not so much that I don't believe that there might be detail out there that exists or color totally, out there totally. that exists as that I may not, maybe didn't get quite enough of it. So, for example, I mean, you know, because we get we, we get such a good description and such a rich description of this court culture, um, we don't get more of like there are lots of other things we don't get as much of just a description of, mm-hmm. for example, Mahit's stationer culture. Yeah. Or, for example you know, any of the other cultures in, in the, you know, Texcalani capital, mm-hmm. you know, any of the, the, for example, the, the, you know, they go to this, there are these sort of gestures at, you know, these people who live in other neighborhoods or other parts of the world and their different foods that they eat or their different like political proclivities, but you don't really learn anything about them. That's more concrete than that. And as a result, you know, sometimes when things happen, um, it can feel a little arbitrary. It can feel, you yeah. know, a little, I think this is kind of, 
you know, a lot of the details you mentioned, I had a different experiences, a different experience of, but, but in, in, in a, in a, at a high level, I think there is this, you know, occasional issue of, um, stuff seeming a little out of nowhere because the context wasn't fully there before it happened. Right. Um, right. I think for me, you know, those weren't the moments where I noticed that the most. For me, the moment where I noticed that the most was anything to do with Mahit kind of um, thinking about her feelings of homesickness or thinking about her kind of um, political priorities. Definitely. Because I, I, I feel like we didn't, we, we got little enough of stationer culture and of Mahit's upbringing that sometimes it felt like you know, the reasons why she felt like it wasn't completely clear why Mahit, like, you know, obviously, you know, somebody's, you know, in a place they have never been before, far from home in a stressful situation. Yeah, I, I get it that they would be stressed out or they would feel certain things, but there, there was just not quite enough detail there in, in some, in some moments where, you know, I didn't quite buy the, the way that her homesickness was supposed to be working. Right. I felt a little bit like I was being told she was supposed to be feeling this and it didn't completely emerge organically. And, you know, I think that was a little bit of a missed opportunity for me, but agreed. Like on, from my perspective, that was, that was like a minor thing and I really enjoyed the novel. And I think it sounds like from your perspective, that was more of a, yeah. From my perspective, I think, I, you know, and it, I feel bad because, you know, on the one hand, again, this isn't a bad book. We've also like like I've chatted with uh, the author a little bit on Twitter and, you know, like we, we have, you know, you have friends in common with her and everything. And like, you know, this isn't meant to be like a like ragging on her in any way, too. This is a first novel and it's like good for the most part. So like I just want to get that out of the way. Like I don't want to sound like a complete asshole here, but I also want to like give my unvarnished opinion of like what I felt because that sort of yeah, feels dude. like the point of having a book club podcast, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're, um, you're all good. But I do, you know, I, I do think that that was the kind of stuff that like I had a lot of little problems with this novel that I think oftentimes even all taken together, I could have overlooked to some degree or like more of a degree than I did. And part of it was like I really wanted the novel to be this one thing at the beginning. I was really liking it and ended up not being that thing at all for the rest of the novel. And so all these little problems just became like bigger and bigger annoyances that built up for me. Um, I do I do agree with you that like, you know, I had, you know, this thing where like my heat's kind of like a blank slate in some ways. Like she in some like we get the name of like one friend of hers and one like, you know, work colleague, her superior essentially who sends her out here. And otherwise we never really learn about any of her relationships back home, what it's like to grow up as a stationer. She never, while like thinking through problems, thinks about like, what was my training? What is my mission? What, you know, like what back, what would someone back home have like suggested to me? There doesn't seem to be this kind of sense of like, she's a person who had relationships before she came here that she like has people she misses or relationships that she like, you know, looks back on whether fondly or like not so fondly. I know there's like a few, especially kind of early on that get mentioned, but they kind of, again, get like mentioned and dropped and never really brought up. Yeah. Again. I mean, I, I would, I would make the same point just with slightly different words. I would say like, I do think there are, there is some of what you're saying, but it's just like, there's, there's a, a, a kind of a thinness there, mm -hmm. you know, that, that I would I would have liked to see fleshed out a little more. I think it right. would have made some of the beats that Mahit goes through, 
you know, that her emotional beats for her feel stronger. A lot stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of it. It's like I never really emotionally identified with Mahit, you know, and it's like I said, I don't need to emotionally identify with every single like, you know, character I read about in a book. But like given that it is all from her perspective and it is really about her emotional journey at the end, like not identifying with that at all or like being engaged with that is like kind of like, oh, well, yeah. No, no wonder it just wasn't the book for me if I didn't feel engaged by that thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that said, there were some things that like did get drawn out. You know, there were some things that were almost less about like her talking about stationer culture and more about the way she reacted to the like empire's culture that did kind of draw this picture. I mean, one thing I remember distinctly is at one point during the same party, she finds herself in this like indoor outdoor garden park thing in the in the you know in the capital and um this clone of the emperor this 10 year old boy is a clone of the emperor like comes by and you know she's watching these birds which she's never seen before because she lives on a small space station that doesn't have birds and you know she's like oh you know it's like birds we have like the word for bird and you know he this little boy is like naming the different kinds of like finches and robins and like very like each bird has its own like name of the species or of the kind of bird that it is and she has this moment of like i didn't realize that like birds had different names and that's that's beautiful like that was the kind of stuff that i I just like loved yeah yeah i also loved uh, this is kind of a slightly different sort of moment but it's a moment of like it's a really well-drawn moment of like Mahit's emotions and mm-hmm. like her interaction with some of the locals you know when she um and oh shit i'm blanking on the names the names, the names I lo- in this book are hard i love the names but i do have a hard time remembering them yeah so yeah so one moment i particularly liked was um th- so th- three seagrass and 12 azalea so that's three seagrass is Mahit's cultural liaison mm-hmm. and, and 12 like azalea friend. is right and and 12 azalea is three seagrass is like you know old friend um mm. so it's this moment where you know three seagrass like suddenly realizes or like suddenly like grocks that there's going to be a civil war maybe and kind of breaks down mm-hmm. and then goes off to the kitchen with 12 azalea to have this moment where they're just like alone the two of them away from Mahit. And it's this great moment of like these three people were thrust together. They obviously have these sort of connections between them. Right. They all like each other. They like each other. They're in, you know, they're in it together in some sense or other, Mm -hmm. whether they're like ultimately going to, whether someone's ultimately going to kind of like choose their political career over their friendship or whatever, like is not clear at that point. But nonetheless, there's this like strong connection between them on a personal level. And yet, you know, Mahit is this like new person, this interloper Mm -hmm. on some level into the relationship that already existed between three seagrass and 12 azalea and and so they need a moment just the two of them right to like have an emotional moment i just thought that was such a good idea like right no it felt very true yeah that scene could have gone a lot of different ways and accomplished the same like you know narrative goal but like it was really well done i thought and like that to me is what it's like when you're when you're like new in town mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's not mm-hmm. that people don't talk to you or even like commit to you in some sense it's just that like there will be these moments where you'll still not be as much in the group as they are right well especially when you come from a different culture and what they're upset about is a thing having to do with their mm-hmm. home like there's just a degree to which like y- you don't get this and can't get it and like right. you know like they need time away from you and like 
your best bet is to just give it to you. Like let, yeah. let them have that. Cause that's actually yeah. what they need and that's okay. And it's not about you and it's not about them. And it's not about y'all. It's just yeah. like, that's what you need that in those points. Yeah. And it I goes agree. the other I way like too. That. Yeah. It goes the other way too. You know, that she, uh, Mahi has concerns about LaSalle station that, that, uh, you know, they can't possibly share because they've never even been there. They don't know anything about it. You know? Right. Right. And to them, it's sort of like, you know, no matter how much they like her, it's sort of like, yeah, some fucking backward. It's like literally a single space station that thinks it's a country, whereas like we're an empire that have like entire <laughs> planets built of cities that you know like have billions and billions right. of people on them, and y'all are like thirty thousand people. Like, sure, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's 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 crazy, you know. Um, so that gets into another thing that I think you know is maybe worth talking about. There's you know a lot of this book is kind of wants to set itself up as investigating, you know, this, this kind of cultural tension, this, you know, political struggle between this small and insignificant polity and this like vast, incomprehensibly powerful polity mm-hmm. that has this great cultural allure for the people of the small, you know, polity. All the kids on LaSalle station just want to watch the like hot new vids from like Texcalan, you know, whatever yeah. they let through the border, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so this is like a big, you know, this is a big theme to tackle. I think it's like, I think there's a lot of really cool, interesting stuff in this book, you know, getting into this theme. It's definitely got, you know, a lo- like, I think I kind of have already alluded to my, maybe my biggest problem with it, which is kind of that there's this stuff, I think, that's thin. And that le- leads to a situation where, you know, it, it's hard to get a complete picture of this um conflict between these two cultures because we're kind of mostly just getting one of them yeah and it's interesting that we're getting that one from the perspective of the other so it's not this is a very different book than it would have been if like the main character were from Texcalan. Yeah, yeah yeah which you know you could imagine that book but nonetheless we're not getting a lot of lacelle station mm-hmm. we get snippets but we don't get like real long sections of somebody pov from there even in flashback or we don't right. get like you know, a lot of named characters having like a lot of interactions. Like we don't get anything approaching the level of detail that we get for the city, you know, right for LaSalle station. Right. I mean, it is funny. It's like for a book called memory, we get very little of like Mahit's memories of the station in any sort of like, you know, concrete episodic way. Yeah. And, and, you know, like for me, obviously this was not, I really enjoy the book anyway, but I do think like, this is, this is quite a, a, a sort of, you know, this, this is something that I definitely noticed and I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, I can see why this would be more of, you know, more of something that that would, you know, stick out to somebody else who didn't love you know, other stuff as much as I did. Right. And I think, you know, this gets into one of my maybe like, you know, and I think maybe this is worth talking about at this point is this sort of like question I had about the book that is, you know, like more of a like like critical analysis thing than like, oh, like I liked it or didn't like it. And so, I, you know, I want, I want to put that aside. But like there is this element of like, you know, it's a book about sure colonialism and empire and all this stuff, but where like the main character thinks that the colonizers are really cool. And like the book itself seems to like think the colonizers are really cool. Right. Like, you know, it's like, sure. Like there's good and bad people and there's like bad things about empire and all of that. But like, there is a way in which like the culture of this hegemonic power is like, cool and interesting and like presented as a thing you should find cool and interesting. And like, you know, there's something about that that, like, I wonder about, like, like know, yeah. you know, like, ha- like writing a book in which you, you know, like, 
have a colonial power as like the main setting and also as the thing the reader is supposed to find really interesting is that setting like i don't know it, it leads to some sort of like kind of icky questions for me and again you know this is not saying anything about the author and her personal beliefs at all but like of these questions of like you know to what degree is this kind of like pro-colonialist or at least like tone deaf in the way that it handles like colonialism and i think like a, a little bit for me like like it, it did you know reading something like this and i'm gonna like pull other authors in here again not to you know be like oh these people are like at each other's throats or anything like, like this is just like my reading of these various books but like reading something like this versus like crystal rain by tobias buckell who like mm, is someone who good book grew up in like a you know colonial like former colonial states um and really kind of like understood the you know like you know, like while he was there there were colonial conflicts right and like understood that kind of like what it's like to live in these small colonial states at this very like personal level like these books handle that really really differently and like it's a way that's like palpable for me um mm -hmm. and so i think that there's some element of like you know, not to say like, oh, this book shouldn't get written or like these people shouldn't write books like this. But like it did feel a little bit almost like tone deaf to me in the way that it was mm. like so, um, you know, interested in this colonial culture while it's like not interested at all in the like, you know, colonized culture. Yeah, no, I, I, I know exactly, exactly what you're saying. And I, I kind of parsed that through a different lens, you know, so. So for me, it's kind of like, you know, in the pre-read, we talked about some other, you know, historical characters, as well as Gregor Magistros, who, you know, um, Anna Lynn and Weller, a.k.a. R.K.D. Martin, has written about extensively, mm -hmm. um, you know, who were in similar situations in real history. And to me, it's kind of like if you wrote a book about Gregor Magistros and like, you know, he's the main character in your in your book and you don't have any like regular Armenians yeah. in the book mm -hmm. to kind of balance out his take. It doesn't matter how ambivalent you make Grigor in this made up book. Yep. He can be as ambivalent, ambivalent as he wants, but ultimately he's like, he's one of the haves. He's in a privileged position. He's able to love, he's able to develop a love for yeah. this imperial culture because right. he has this sort of security or the education, you know, or some combination of 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 factor factors in his upbringing that give him the ability to do that. This this sort of space to do that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, what about the people, the sort of the average person on LaSalle Station who, like, you know, I mean, we okay. So in this book, we do get a little of like the LaSalle. We get a very little of, of the of the um, of the. Uh, I can't even remember the 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 character on LaSalle Station who is the uh, head of the heritage yeah. faction. Um, who is the one who uh, uh, messes up the um, the implant? The implant the that uh, Mahit gets. You know, right? What's his name? I cannot remember. Yaskander. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, um, so that person is like, you know, that is the kind of character that maybe is like in the direction of what we're talking about. We we really don't get much of that character, right? It's, but she's presented as like a villain every time that she's on screen, too. Like, uh, I don't know. know. I, I she, thought it was more ambivalent than that, okay. but I know what you're saying. Like, I, I, you know, like she's the one person who doesn't like the empire and is like also the one person who like breaks the rules. Of, yeah. Of to, to me, the book culture. Dem, to me, the book was had a good light, a light touch and really created a lot of ambivalence around those things, but. What I would say is no matter how much ambivalence you create in the minds of the characters that you, you put on screen, when you only have a certain kind of character on screen, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, you're, mm -hmm, you're necessarily mm -hmm. like sort of missing out on like the other characters who aren't on screen. Right. You know what I mean? Right. 
so I think in that sense, I really understand. It's it's like it reminds me of uh, Kang Young Hill, uh, who we talked about right. in the pre-read. Yep, uh, a Korean guy who went to America and made a life in America and stayed there for the rest of his life and really kind of became at, at different points in his life an agent of American empire in Korea. And at one point in his life, you know, was working for the U.S. government and went back to U.S. run South Korea mm-hmm. as an agent of the U.S. government. And, you know, he had this very powerful experience and he went through a lot and he, you know, had a lot of, you know, ambivalence about America's role there and about a lot of things. But ultimately, he was in the privileged position of working for the imperial state. Right. And they're like, if you wrote just the book about Kang Young Hill, you'd get just his take, which for all its ambivalence and complexity does not include the take of the Korean who was on the ground in Korea, not working for the <laughs> right. American state and, and kind of just, you know, that would be a very different perspective. So I, I you know, I, I, I definitely think that it's, it's an interesting kind of, it's an interesting thinness in this book. And I think like for me, it didn't detract from my enjoyment. It was the kind of thing where I felt like the book, the book didn't, the book didn't kind of miss this in a way that I thought like detracted from the fun that I had. Sure. But I think, you know, having a critical conversation about it, it's definitely something I would bring up. Yeah. Well, again, this is like where this is like less the like aesthetic stuff. I stuff I didn't yeah. enjoy about the book and more like as I was reading this book, I definitely felt like in as much as it's a book about empire and has empire in the name, I don't feel like it really like did that much to explore empire and colonialism it's sort of like it felt in some ways like made hand gestures towards it and said like and you know not not every book has to right like not every book has to like do these things right like not every book has to be about colonialism or whatever but like it i don't know it's just a little bit i wish it, i not every book has to be but like this book i wish had done more i feel for me somebody who like really liked the book it nonetheless nonetheless felt like a little bit of a missed opportunity. Right. You know, it's like, for me, it's like, you know, you're, you're kind of, I felt like I'm really enjoying this. This is really moving me along. I, I practically read the book in one sitting. Mm. Um, and, and now looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, I would have liked it even more if, right. You know? Yeah. So right. that's my, that's my view. And I can see how it would be easy for me. It's easy for me to imagine somebody else who didn't have the, you know connection to it that i had like you know they would maybe feel that was a, a bigger right well you know and i i think it's almost the kind of thing of like yeah if if it had had more of that i might have like found it more interesting right yeah. like yeah. you know it's less that this is a thing that like really ruined my enjoyment of the but it didn't at all um but it was a thing where it's like i missed not having a book that was also kind of about empire and like colonialism yeah. and like how this stuff like affects people yeah. um and it, and a lot of that does get down to like you know it's like in some ways you have this book where like you have this main character who's presented as this outsider in this culture and like trying to like, you know, obviously she's done like immersion in the language and in the culture and stuff. Obviously she's like educated about the culture. So, but she's still an outsider. It's like not her lived experience. And like, so we're getting this culture through her lived experience, but because we have so little of her lived experience, we have so little of like who she was before coming to this like there's not actually a like contrast. It's just like learning about something new. That's kind of what I mean when I call her a blank slate to a degree of like, I don't feel like what we're getting is like a, I have this like 
background and I'm coming with that background to this new place. I feel just like, oh, I'm just coming to this new place and learning about it. And like what I kind of want from these is that tension of like my beliefs and ethics versus the new beliefs and ethics, like my culture versus the new culture. Like that tension is really interesting to me whenever that happens. And like the lack of that tension is like just kind of, you know, I I wanted more of that tension. Like yeah. absolutely, yeah. The moments where we did get some of that are were moments that I really, really liked. Right, there were I some mean, of the best. There's some great <laughs> moments of that. The, yeah, I I really enjoyed some great moments of that in, in in the book. I mean, like there's some great moments of just like little things, little details. The sky, the way she, the way Mahit like reacts to the sky on this planet. Yeah. just over having and over again not too. not grown up on a planet, so sky is like a big thing for her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it freaks her out. Yeah. You know, like she doesn't like it when there's too much sky. Right. (laughs) Or like fire, you know, like on a space station, fire is like the fucking worst thing. Right. right? Like it it, just like it'll kill everyone, you know, Mm. on a planet. It's bad. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe it's good. <laughs> maybe it's cooking food, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like little yeah. things like or the way she interacts with the food is like a classic like foreigner. Like, you know, you get I got this sense like, oh, Mahit's one of these people. She's like really into like literature and stuff. She didn't like develop her love of Texcalani culture because she was into their food. Right. And now she suddenly has to eat all this food. And she's like, ah, eh, some of it I like. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, right, that's yeah. that's great. I was like, you know, I I love I love some details like that. And the other stuff that I really liked was like, you know, when three seagrass or 12 ads do something that she doesn't expect, especially kind of right when the beginning, when she's just lost her connection to the Iskander and like she doesn't know what the hell is going on and she's really out to sea and she's just trying desperately to recall things that she's read about like how people like behave and whatever. Mm. And like she kind of just like like she has this like weird muscle memory like we're i think we're meant to believe like she has this kind of like muscle memory of the iskander in her and so she doesn't like fuck everything up and so like that's what enables her to not be a complete disaster but like she gets stuff wrong anyway and <clears throat> there's these there's a couple of moments where she like she kind of she she sees three seagrasses like expression change and she's like oh man i didn't realize their expressions changed exactly that way like mm-hmm. when they were happy they do this with their face mm-hmm. you know when they're like like, I wonder what that thing that she just did with her face means exactly. You know, that that's a great moment to me. That's almost like I feel that way when I interact with um, people from very different places all the time. Right. Like if I am interacting with somebody from a place I don't know anything about, like sometimes, you know, they'll do something. They'll they'll um, move their head in a certain way mm-hmm. or they'll. And it'll it'll be like, oh, I don't know. Is that a personal tick? Like, is that a thing people always do? Is Does that just mean something normal? Yeah. I had this experience really profoundly when I was in India recently. And there are a lot of, like, people move their head in a certain way a lot when they talk. And it's a normal thing that people do. And it has nuances that I don't grasp because I'm not used to it. Right. And, like, there's different ways of moving your head when you talk. And it's like, like... It, it is well known Italians have all these gestures that they right. use. We they use talk. our hands a lot. Right. Like, I don't know what they mean, but they mean things. Right. You know, like, right, right, right. <laughs> I, I, I love stuff like that. I thought those, those are really some nice details. Right. It's like body language is also like a language to learn. And yeah, like it's part of place it. to place. And, right? it, and it's something you notice when you're there, you know, when you like, yeah. when you, when you're, when you show up there, especially right when you show up, it's very, it's very present. I think, mm-hmm. especially a overwhelming, yeah. even. Yeah, yeah, totally. I thought that stuff was awesome. It was good. So, 
another thing, and you know, this is sort of like again in the kind of like critical reading area that I had like just like some again, like more or less problems and more like kind of hesitancies around, like some stuff that sort of like gave me pause while reading the novel, um, was sort of the way that gender was or just frankly wasn't handled. Um, some of this comes on, you know, it, like again, sort of like my experience, which is having previous to this, the book that I had read was Stars in My Pocket, like Grains of Sand by Samuel R. Delaney, which, you know, we we read for this podcast and talked about it with B. Um, and that was that was a book that I loved. Like I think that ended up being like my favorite book I read last year. Kind of surprised like that line didn't go into it expecting that at all. Like I was really like, I loved it too. I had high expectations and they were massively exceeded by that book. Um and you know, it's also a book where these sorts of like questions of gender and identity and like how people identify and who identifies you as what are very important. And then um, another thing, obviously, when when starting off this book, you know, uh, like Yoon Ha Lee's Nine Fox Gambit, like immediately came to mind, right? Like within within the first couple of pages, it's like, oh, yeah, you have this like, you know, like man's mind implanted in your own. And like, what is that going to be like? What is that going to be about? How is that going to work? You know, those my immediate questions. And obviously, like, those are like big questions in Nine Fox Gambit. And I and I have heard, I haven't read the other two novels, that like even bigger questions in the other two novels, right? And it, you know, Yoon Holly is is trans, like, and he writes about these things because they're important to him. And this book, you know, doesn't. And again, it's not this kind of thing where like every book has to handle this the same way. Like, I don't want to say that at all. But there was this element of the way that the book kind of handled the issue of like what does it mean for Mahit who is a woman to have like a a man's mind implanted into hers just gets like hand waved away immediately and sort of like you know I I forget exactly where it is but my my because this is a while ago that, that I read the book but like my impression of it was this sort of like kind of hand wave like no it's not an issue almost almost sort of like you know like whatever the gender equivalent of like no homo kind of like a really quick sort of like no it's not it's, this is just isn't an issue stop stop even worrying about it that like i don't know man it like it rubbed me the wrong way it was one of the yeah. few things that actively rubbed me the wrong way about this book was like there's some kind of discussion of like endocrine systems and like you know she's really just a woman and that's all there is to it and like it's sort of like this question of like Okay, so you know, like really, like what 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 does it mean that there you have the stationer culture where like any person at any point might have another person's like entire memory stream like implanted in them? What does it mean that that culture still has these really strong gender like roles and identities, right? Like maybe not even roles, like you know, it seems that it's a pretty like gender equality kind of place. But like men are men and women are women and like that's it. And even if you have like a man implanted in your woman's body or a you know, woman implanted in your man's body, like you're just ever that. That's that's who you are. And it's like really like that's that's a pretty like kind of, you know, simplistic understanding of gender for a culture like that, frankly. Like I, I wouldn't expect that. I would expect like a little bit more exploration of that. Yeah. And yeah, and just the way, you know, especially the way that it was kind of handled with all this talk of like endocrine systems and stuff, like it, it rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. I don't know. It, it felt like beyond being like a big missed opportunity, like almost like a sort of like understood opportunity that was like, no, don't go there. Hmm. 
And I didn't like that. Yeah. I, I, I didn't feel that way about it. I didn't feel sort of rubbed the wrong way, but I definitely know what you're talking about, you know, in the sense that, um, you know, I spe- especially coming off of a book like Stars in My Pocket mm-hmm. that is kind of really interested in these issues. And we've read other books, obviously, also, mm-hmm. um, you know, Nine Fox Gambit comes to mind. I, I also thought about Unkindness of Ghosts. Yep, totally. You know, totally. There's a lot of great hard SF that that deals with that, like, has a lot going on other than, you know, gender stuff. Um and also manages to have gender stuff too. Right. And so to me, it did feel like the the mis- same kind of missed opportunity thing where I felt like, you know, at the, at the very least, I would have wanted something about how this is like, it kind of almost fits in with the thinness of station or culture to me. Yeah. Because like, okay, maybe, maybe this culture is sort of, does support this kind of gender binary that like we would disagree with. But like, how does that work for them? Like, how is their society structured such that it is that way, you know? Right. Why is that the case? Right. And I think you can, you can do, and I think this is not, for me, this is not a thing that would require changing the book massively. Mm. Like, this is Mm. one of those things where I think you could kind of, you could do a lot more to give some explanation of that in uh, in not very many words. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But regardless of how you handled it, I think like we've, like you know you have have pointed at something that there really is like something missing there where it, it it's one of those things where it's like if you personally have not ever kind of had these problems become profound to you right in a visceral way right then um you know you can just not know they're there you can miss them right you can just be ignorant of them um i certainly have been ignorant of stuff like this for a lot of my life mm-hmm. um you know and and i think like I, yeah, who knows? I, I've never met Arca Martin. I'm sure that she. Right. Yeah, this is again not. About yeah, I'm, I'm her sure as she's an extremely anyway. like you know well-meaning person, and like I didn't personally have a have a. I, I wasn't like hurt by this, but I can see honestly how somebody would be hurt by this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I I think I felt a little bit like I, I don't know if I'd say hurt, but definitely like a little bit like. Like, confu- like, you know, that that feeling of, like, sucking in air through your teeth of, like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this, but yeah. it's not great. To me, it's, like, the endocrine system is the thing that, that because that sort of almost feels like a like a kind of hormone essentialism type of Right. It's, idea. Like, like, I don't think it's meant as a dog whistle, but it sounds like dog whistles right. I've heard in the past. Right. And that's, that's, it's so tough. <laughs> it's, like, that kind of, like, association that, like, I feel exactly. like you have to be conscious of. Exactly. It's so tough, too, because if you're not aware of how much of a dog whistle that is. Right. You know, it's you could just totally miss it. Yep. But if you are, it's hard to right. avoid, you know? And I think that there is some, you know, like... I don't know. I think there is some responsibility on authors of like understanding that stuff. And like, that's also where like, you know, having good sensitivity readers and like listening to your editors and having like, you know, diverse editors and like, you know, people who read these things beforehand, like can go a long way. You know, this is more about publishing in general than this book specifically, but like that kind of stuff can go a long way towards like helping smooth out some of these rough edges, like pointing out that like, Oh, Hey, this sounds like a dog whistle. Like maybe you want to like do something about that. Um, I also want to recognize that this is one of those very subtle things where I feel like there could be a lot of reads on it. Probably. Yeah. You know, and like, I, I'd be interested in what other people's views on it are. You know, I, I I would really welcome if anyone feels like they want to let us know what they thought about it or, 
you know, I, I'm I'm personally interested in in learning more about the you know people's different takes on this. Right. I will say I am less interested in like other cis people's takes on it. So like, <laughs> well, I didn't say that. <laughs> right. No, I know, but like, like specifically, like I, 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 you know, again, like no need, you know, like we're not owed uh, education, but of at the same not. time, like you know, in, in in asking for people to you know like tell us what they think about that, I think this is explicitly a place where like you know trans people and their experiences. Yes. Instead of like us kind of guessing at their experiences would be like yeah, a sorry. lot that, more that education. That is what I meant right, by right. learning more about this. Right. Yes. Um, right. I feel like that kind of needs to be explicitly yes. said. Though. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, you know, and th- th- this is again, this is the kind of stuff where it's like, you know, it, like none of this ruined my experience of the novel. And, and I, I do the think, though, that like I any novel I read, good or bad, like I like picking apart some of this critical stuff, not because like, oh, if you get it wrong, then like the book is bad and shouldn't be read, you know, but because I think that it's useful to like be really consciously aware of this stuff and kind of like, you know, maintain that consciousness, right? Yeah. Like maintain these yeah. like senses of empathy and understanding totally. of, you know, both how things can feel good and how things can hurt other people. Yeah. Um, and, th- and that's some of what I like try to do with this as well as, you know, and yeah, I do think some of it comes down to like, it's funny, both these sort of critical pieces of this, novel right like both the sort of like oh like this gender thing didn't feel quite great and the you know kind of like the way that this person goes to like the, you know goes from a like not even like colonial the colonialism piece but like you know there's this person who goes from like a big culture to or a small culture to a big culture and what that feels like you know especially that second piece right is something i have like a lot of firsthand experience with going from rural alaska to new york city right like going from like a a cultural like backwater to the cultural like hub of america and yeah like that's the kind of thing that like i feel like when i read authentic versions of that they really resonate and when i read sort of like you know, more academic like this versions of that, like they resonate less to me. And it's funny because the academic version of it where she actually is writing an academic paper about it is like, that was really good. I really liked the academic paper of Anna Linden Wellers that we read. It was really interesting. But this sort of like lived experience version of it just felt like a little bit lacking in some kind of way that is like really hard to talk about, like really hard to say like, oh yeah, this was the thing that I found missing there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I respect that view, you know, a lot. Um, I think these are like good questions. I think, you know, one of the reasons we do this is because we like to kind of pick things apart right. in a way that is, I can, I can imagine, you know, not everyone would want to pick things apart like this. <laughs> no. Like I personally my so I, I, I've had like different experiences of this book. Like mm-hmm. my first experiences of, of this book was that I like read it in almost one setting and like just loved it and like had a great time. And like, that was awesome. And I would, you know, mm-hmm. do that again mm-hmm. with the sequel, I, I hope, you know, I'm like looking forward to it. And then, you know, and then I've like sat down with you and we've talked about it extensively back and forth right. like a, m- multiple times. And, you know, it's a different experience of the same book and you're really getting, you're getting different things out of it. And, right. and it's, it's something that I also enjoy doing. And it's a very, you know, and part of this critical experience um, is engaging with it in a way where, for me, at least, I'll speak for myself, you know, uh, what I like about the critical experience is trying to, like, exercise my empathy muscle or, like, my empathy body, like, mm-hmm. to get, like, all the different muscle groups, 
like to do like a full empathy body workout and like try to like think about it in as many ways as I can right. and be charitable in as many ways as I can while also like like because the way that you I think this is what's important to me the way that you exercise empathy is not by just like purely liking something without thinking about it the only way to get better at being empathetic is to like something while you think about what you have a hard time with about that thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what i mean because I, 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 I think that's what the exercise part is that's what the like right. struggle is you know right. yeah exercise is like it feels good after the fact yeah. <laughs> but like if it's not actually kind of hard while you're doing yeah. it then you're not actually like making gains and you know it's gains. all about the gains, it's all baby. About the sick gains. Oh man, <laughs> man, it's can't wait to have control. like a jacked <laughs> a- empathy. Metaphor. <laughs> My empathy control. stacked, bro. <laughs> Dude, God. <laughs> oh man. Um, so you know, I I do though. I feel like we should you know before we end like talk more about some of the stuff we did like as sort of like you know like let's end on there's some so, positive yeah, notes. Absolutely, and there's so many things I liked about this book. I had such a good time with it. Um, like. One of the other things I liked about the book, this is also kind of like, you know, I talked already about the the history and like the sort of the world building, but like the way that takes Kalan history, like high level takes Kalani political history works mm-hmm. is like really fun for me because it's this like fun combination of like different ancient empires right. that really works in a way that's pretty fresh and different from like other ancient empire world building and other because there's so many books that do that sort of thing but this book does it in like a different new cool way that i really liked so for instance the way that the empire is like both incredibly powerful and incredibly unstable all the time yeah you know what i mean like okay sure they had 80 years of peace or whatever but that was like an outlying thing that was like a that's a precious special thing that could end at any moment <laughs> yeah yeah yep. <laughs> and it's like worth dying to protect right you know because it's like actually incredibly powerful empires can be incredibly politically unstable and weak from the center out right in this way that like in this way that's very you know true to history certainly that's how rome worked and byzantium and right. china and you know well and i think one thing it kind of gets at is that like you know one of the like most fragile pieces of like an empire is that it is this like extractive like system that's built kind of on one person and that like one person at the top is like not as all powerful as we think of them but they're very powerful and like they're sort of like ideology and what they want to happen in particular is very powerful right like this emperor wants peace and so peace happens a lot more you know their version of what peace is which like not everyone's going to call peace you know obviously like yeah they're like people that they have their (laughs) fingers on are not going to call peace this is the best part is like he he talks about 80 years of peace but like but like my heat, like at some point it like reacts to that by being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, right. Peace? Exactly. Right. Right. Peace for y'all. Sure. But you know, not for everyone else around peace you. Peace on this planet. Yeah. Like, right. Right. Um, <laughs> which is also great because that is how like the pa- Pax Romana, you yeah, know, is yeah, like definitely peace. The Jewish people were almost exterminated during your so-called Pax Romana. Like right, that's like that's right. a bit rich. I mean, they're right. not the only ones. Like, <laughs> no, totally. And that and you know that that I feel like that's actually the kind of place where this sort of like you know the way Texcolani culture views itself versus the way yeah. other people do is like well drawn. It's like the, like that's the kind of thing that like gets drawn really well. Of like okay, yeah, sure. 
peace sure die. <laughs> yes. and like but then also too you you see that and then you also get the like oh but the version of war that you mean like is like a million times worse than what's yeah, happening bad. right now it's <laughs> like it's really really bad yeah. oh you're right we really don't want that let me help you like yeah. prevent that um, <laughs> oh man and and uh another thing i liked is the the sort of the way that political instability worked in the capital you know very yeah. like extreme uh extreme byzantium feels um you know the like color-coded mobs duking it out by like yelling poetry at each other is and like slogans and stuff yeah while these like you know army while an army waits outside the city walls aka atmosphere like is is awesome that's like exactly right. it's blues and greens you know it's, totally it's, totally well and that felt like from like the roman history i know you know it's like caesar marching on the city and like the city kind of like in you know exactly like rome 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 in its own sense of like internal struggle over like yeah. whether they're going to let him march into the city like meanwhile like he's can fucking they? doing what he's want to do you yeah know? can they do anything about it right like, exactly <laughs> and it's like these questions become you know it's like and the answer is like maybe they can like maybe by yeah. making the right appeal to ideology like they can do something about it because he also exists within this system and has yeah. his own political goals within it and so you know i i know that, that stuff all felt very rich and like interesting and this sort of like you know there's this way in which this book is um i think i said this in the pre-read at one point like there's ways in which it has almost like a fantasy sensibility totally. to me yeah. where it's like it, it, you know on the one hand sure it's like space opera or you know far future you know aliens and spaceships and ais and shit sure then there's another way in which it's it's also just sort of this like historical like Fiction. courtier yeah. drama with like you know like fantasy elements right. tacked on top of it and like right. sure those fantasy elements are like spaceships and ai instead of like magic or whatever but like that's yeah. kind of how they feel like it, it yeah. you know it has this thing where it's almost like it starts with this historical kind of story and then it's like well, let's build the world building around and a way that like oh yeah communication takes a long time sorry you know it's like well that gets built because like we need it to to be able to tell the type of story that like yeah. exists in this world and yeah I, I really like that stuff a lot right, I, right. yeah I, I think it's so dope I, I mean like the historical fantasy in space idea is like i mean it goes back to you know dune and much further back than that but it's mm. this like classic it's this classic type of thing that I've always like really been into. Right, like, right. I feel like space western is another version of that, like a more yeah. modern, you know. But yeah. it's like it is this, like, oh yeah, like let's take these historical periods and like you know, well, we don't have frontiers and we don't have empires in the same way on Earth anymore. So like, okay, yeah. do it in space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's kind of amazing to me also how like there's a you know, in one sense, a lot of um, certain types of fiction you know, the sources that they draw on are, instead of being folktales, they're like historical accounts, but like contemporary historical accounts. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, um, well, first of all, there's, there's not a lot of difference between like a kind of folk history, like a epic poem that describes the history of a people, you know, mm -hmm. and a, like a sort of historical account of the history of that people you know i mean what is what indeed is the like fundamental difference between those two things it's about form and timing and and like average literacy and stuff like that but mm -hmm. so like different stories that draw on different source material that happens to have the form of like a historical record you know often get in off, often kind of you know they work the way historical records work not necessarily the way history works right which is like just a kind of a kind of literature so for example to make this like more specific like um like george of monmouth's like history of england or whatever that was written like i don't know 900 years ago or something 
was or even more i I can't remember um you know it it describes english history in you know from the perspective of like there's this like at any given time there's like a small group of really powerful people that like make the important decisions and like things kind of flow outward from that a lot of historical accounts written before a certain time work that way right you know the also a lot of historical accounts were even yes, written after that time course. still work that way yeah in china the Tongjian works that way too it describes the anlushan rebellion for example as as being essentially mm-hmm. the result of like a lover's quarrel between like three important military like the the emperor this like important general and the emperor's concubine it's like right, okay right, and, and the right. prime minister and it's like i'm sure in real like i know in reality there was more going on than that but i love I love the mode of story that is basically fiction inspired by that sort of historical account mm-hmm. because it has this romance to it. I mean, it's it's there. It, there's something romantic about a kind of fictional version of history that involves these sort of like small number of uh, a small cast of key players who kind of like their personal, you know, interactions are like made epic by the like consequences that they have for untold billions across the stars right. you know that that stuff gets me i love that stuff so, you know <laughs> i mean so this is funny because like one one novel that this novel really reminded me of too that we haven't talked about yet is guy gavriel k's yeah. uh river of stars i believe is the one there's 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 under heaven and river of stars whatever the first in that like duology I think it's is. under heaven because maybe the it one is, that, yeah maybe yeah. it is under heaven, but it's about the on lushan rebellion exactly um, you know it's like and a historical fantasy thing i just mentioned right it's exactly and like yeah. but it's funny because i i believe you haven't read the that right the, the no i i, I started it. it and i just found it to be like not like having read the original source uh, material okay. like i found it to be sort of like it wasn't adding anything for me it's like okay that makes sense that makes sense you know if you really liked the original some of the fanfic won't do it for you yeah although you may like other fan like your 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 things you like which fanfic you like will maybe change totally 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 right whereas i i really enjoyed that because that is not a history historical event that i knew anything about before reading that and you know it it was this very interesting like You know, also one thing I liked about like I think both these novels kind of have in common is this sense of like let's take this historical time period that doesn't often get used as a basis for like fantasy world building yeah. and use it as a basis for I fantasy world building. I do love that. Um, I support. I'm always Guy a huge fan of that. that. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think he does a good job of that. I think you know Martin here does a pretty good job of it. Like there are a lot of people where it's like. I like that kind of like project of like, let's take historical time period X instead of just doing like another fucking medieval Europe, you know, D and D's, you know, Lord of the Rings style fantasy novel. And the the one interesting thing is that there really were, there really have been, I, I, my view of history is that there actually have been moments where this sort of romantic entanglement of individuals at the top of a power structure has mattered enormously. Oh, absolutely. It's not like that's like, the only way of doing that's, historical that's analysis. A priori wrong. It's just right. I just uh, my, the point I wanted to make was just that there's this kind of story that I've always really liked, and it's this is that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, definitely, definitely. What are what are some other novels for folks who either like liked this or like you know maybe want to you know like yeah. like for me it might be stuff that I maybe either liked more or thought like did certain things like a, kind of what I was expecting from but for you like you know. Like if you liked this novel, like you'll like it. obviously Nine Fox Gambit, the like totally. Hexarchate story yeah. is like a hundred percent that. I think Anne Lucky, Anne Lucky is another one. Um, oh, interesting. The ancillary, yeah. the ancillary series is right. another one. Um, especially as ancillary goes on, it kind of like creates a, a interstellar empire situation that definitely. And there's a lot of like political machinations in right. the interstellar empire that are similar. Um, there's also 
CJ Cherry, I think, you know, I had not yeah. I had not read CJ Cherry like a month ago and now having like started reading some CJ Cherry, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I see yeah. that. that I makes would sense. say Foreigner in particular, which I don't think is one that you've read, but I have like her yeah. Foreigner series and especially the first Foreigner book is like about a human it's about a small human colony that like accidentally gets stuck around this like alien planet that has like, you know, a sort of like, you know, I would say like early modern kind of, of, you know, like, like industrial revolution esque, like economy and culture on the planet. And it is about the sort of like the small group of humans and in particular one ambassador to the alien culture and like their relationships. And there's a lot of like really cool stuff that happens around like, you know, the ambassador gets kidnapped and like, is he kidnapped or is something else going on? He's yeah. constantly trying to second guess, like what does this alien culture want with me? Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting. I know in a lot of her books, um, she, CJ Cherry has describes like stationer cultures. Yeah. And I think that was pro- probably, or not necessarily, but like it reminds me of LaSalle station in, in yeah, the yeah. empire a lot. Um, you know, she, she, she has a lot of interesting stuff about like what it does to human culture to like just be confined to a particular space station as opposed to anything else, which I honestly haven't seen in a lot of other places. I mean, people have different takes on what that would do and what that would mean. Right. For sure. But, but I think CJ Cherry's take on what that would mean is, is pretty interesting and, and like, right. Definitely. Also, it's a lot of, it's a lot of political intrigue and war kind of like coming together to like threaten small cultures that Mm -hmm. are maybe somehow caught in the middle you know? Right. I feel like what's her name? Uh, Bujold also has uh, Lois. Lois Bujold also yeah, has yeah. a few books. I, I haven't read most of her books, yeah, but I, I think she has a few that they're also about that specific station or culture thing. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. The 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 Vorkosian saga. Definitely. There are some in there that that. Yeah, I would say those are fun, too. Yeah, because it's like a lot of it's it's politics in space. It's like high politics in space and like intrigue in court and like stuff yep. like that, but with spaceships, it's a lot of that sort of thing, which I really like that a lot. And right. so, of course, I would like that. And actually, another whole series of of of, of uh, comparisons would be with books that are fantasy books that do that sort of thing. You know, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of epic fantasy that's interested in that stuff. Um, yeah, and maybe that's some of what I mean when I say this has like a fantasy sensibilities. I feel like you know, in general, fantasy tends to be like more concerned with questions of like big courts and like courtly drama type stories than science fiction in general is. Yeah. It's sort of like big historical romances. And like this novel definitely has that element. I also, I want to call out, um, there's a like lit fic book that I really like that is about like the experience of studying abroad called leaving a Tocha station by Ben Lerner. And like, this is, this is definitely like a self-indulgent pick on my part. Like it's very much like, you know, Adrian's like sad boy lit fic. No, but I really like, but it's really good. (laughs) I'm like smiling because this is like inevitable that we talk about Ben Lerner, but like, I really like Ben Lerner (laughs) too. Like Like, I really like a Tocha station too. And like, Yeah. Right. I recognize the ways that's in which that's self-indulgent of me, yes. but also like I will be self-indulgent in those ways. Just, you know, yeah, yeah, I do like that. <laughs> but book. I think, I think that's a book that in particular gets at some of these feelings of like, you know, the kind of like alienation that being in a different culture can lead to, but also the ways in which like that alienation can lead to like behaviors that are ultimately like self-destructive and kind of like selfish. Like, you know, the, the main character in that story is like, you know, it's he's sympathetic in that, like you get it from his perspective and like you understand the ways in which he's like sad and depressed and what he's going through. But he's also like a prick 
to a lot of people yeah, around like him, a, and he gets called out on it in really yeah, interesting he's ways. He's like this pretentious, privileged asshole, right? And like the know? book, like you know, understands and that about him. That. Um, and, and it's so it's like I really like that because I feel that's kind of one of the things with this novel is like you know I feel like there are times where Mahit like in like the way I read the book was as like oh she feels kind of like alienated and like you know like out of sorts and is kind of acting like a jerk because of it and the book isn't necessarily presenting it that way nor is like she and it's like that's the kind of thing where it's like yeah well that that happens that's okay you know it's like you will in these situations like not always comport yourself to the best of your like ability (laughs) yeah that's that's gonna happen definitely i mean i also think there's some interesting shades of like uh mary renault and the like sort of God, I can't remember the name of her first book. It's like you know the the these trilogies about politics and and murder in ancient Greece and in ancient Rome. You know, she wrote a bunch of books, like very famous historical fiction, and it's it's straight up historical fiction. There's no fantastical elements, and so it's like right, you know, it's it's a different kind of genre, maybe, but it's kind of the same books, or and almost like similarly, you know, like Wolf Hall or something like that is like feels similar to this to me in some ways because of the because of the court intrigue and the like very like specific historical setting you know where like high politics involves like a lot of death and violence potentially but like it's also got this kind of weird refined aspect you know in that way that like right (laughs) courts do like (laughs) right right also like in that method a um you know a non-fiction book that you and i both like is um a year of no significance yeah. Uh, what is 15, 15, 87, 87, yeah. right? Yeah. 1587, a year of no significance, which is about like this, just this year in the Chinese, like Imperial court where like, there were no big wars, like there were no big famines, like stuff unquote, happened, no you know? Wars, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Like, like <laughs> again, but in this way, it was like, it was a year of relative like stability and peace for the court. Like no one got assassinated. There were no major like overhauls in like political power. There were no like big, you know, so it was like fairly normal. And like the question becomes like, okay, well, what does just like a normal year of this yeah. court look like? Like, how does it work? And also like, what's all the fucked up shit that's still happening in a normal year? Like, what's all yeah. the like political yeah. maneuvering that's still happening? And like, that is, that to me is just like an utterly fascinating book about the like inner workings and the like, you know, really specific, like, who are the people? What do they want? What are they trying to do? Who are, what are they trying to accomplish? And yeah. like, there's hundreds of them. Like, what are all these hundreds of people doing and trying to accomplish that I found fascinating i really highly recommend you know that. it's funny you i think it's pretty that. readable as far as yeah, like yeah, a very academic sure. work and you goes. don't have to know i i think you can go into it without knowing like a lot of like chinese history oh yeah i did like i went in knowing nothing. you know despite being like really specific in some and actually i'll say it say it, i'll say it this way like regardless of how much chinese history you know it's a good book mm-hmm. it's a fun book mm-hmm. and that actually reminds me of another another chinese history one that's kind of really cool nonfiction. it's called treason by the book by Jonathan Spence. Jonathan Spence is like, I love him. He, everything he wrote is good. Basically like he wrote a lot of books. Nice. Um, but like treason by the book is the true historical account of the, uh, emperor of China, the Yongzheng emperor in approximately 18, uh, 1720 in the 1720s, this particular emperor of China, um, discovering and then responding to a like secret society bent on his destruction (laughs) 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 and it's it's similarly sort of like this one particular historical episode that people probably haven't heard of that was not even necessarily well known at the time because of the nature of what kind of thing it was 
but that is this like totally fascinating window into a very different time and place and the high politics of that moment. Right. You know, right. It's a great book too. Jonathan Spence is a good writer. So nice. I highly, highly recommend that book. <laughs> That's really cool. I feel like the other sort of like, you know, I, I mentioned um, James C. Scott in the, in the pre-read, I believe yeah. uh, for, for oh, his, all the stuff we talked about in the pre-read. Yeah, sure. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Everything we talked about there. Um, you know, any of the like, you know, oh, one thing I should say is that, uh, you know, Arkady Martin actually like we, like we talked about an uh, an academic essay of hers that was kind of behind a paywall at that time. Like she heard that episode and was like, oh, I should like put all my academic work online. So like you can go back to the show notes now and like have just access to that. that yes. Thank uh, you so essay. much. Yeah, that was really thank cool. Thank you so much. Do. I have downloaded some of that stuff yeah but i haven't yeah so it's all on her website now too all for academic or not i guess not all of it but a lot for academic work is like a lot more easily accessible now um you know i i think it it sounded like the thing she had been meaning to get to for a while and then like listen to her episode was like oh yeah i should do that i'm so glad because i like super enjoyed reading that stuff too yeah me too me too no i was i was really happy to hear that and like it's fun to be able to get to read more of that stuff because i find it really interesting but um but james c scott i feel like uh like in that process, I saw a couple of her essays and actually she had also written one about um, seeing like a state. Nice. So like, this, like he is actually someone who has a lot of influence on the way that she thinks about this stuff. And I think that um, seeing like a state is one of these novels where it's like, or uh, it's like an academic book. Yes, it's a whole book. Um, it's worth reading the first like two or three chapters of like after that, it gets really, really specific. And for like a lay reader, I don't know like how much more useful it like gets, but the like big ideas and main kind of thesis are presented in the first couple of chapters. And you get a few really specific examples of them. And like the ideas in that book are just like great. They have shaped the way I like look at the whole world. And it's, it's one, uh, I think it's like a very important book and one that's worth reading. Yeah. It's, I, I really like James C. Scott too. I think it's definitely one of those things that you like comes back to me all the time. Absolutely. You know, like randomly. Right. Right. And he, like he's writing specifically about, you know, like, like animal husbandry practices in like you know like like early modern europe but it's the kind of stuff that just like if you work in any bureaucracy you're gonna see all these ways in which like this yeah. stuff just comes up in your day oh man life. this reminds me of so many so like as soon as you get onto like seeing like a state it just like sends me in this whole other direction but i think like we've already mentioned a lot of <laughs> right. things we mentioned a lot of things most this people is, aren't gonna read any yeah, of what we yeah, mentioned but like legit. but this i don't know this stuff is really fascinating to me the ways in which like you know this this work is you know it's written by someone who is an academic and has a really like broad background and like i think it shows in these particular yeah. ways and it's, it's it's cool i think it's worth both i guess the thing i always like saying like it's worth both reading the fiction about this stuff and then also going to some of the you know like more academic work from it like if you can stomach reading that stuff it's really interesting and like i don't know i always i find that like the kind of fiction i appreciate the most is the stuff that's not just written like in conversation with other fiction but also in conversation with like ideas from like a much broader kind of perspective yeah definitely and i think i i strongly encourage people to check out some of the books that we talked about in the pre-read especially because yeah. I think those historical accounts of individuals who resemble the main character of this book, if you like this book, those are fascinating. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Like, and some of them are like, like, you know, young Hill wrote books himself. Like you can novels. hear his yeah. 
version of this, which is I think yeah. really interesting East, to East do goes from, like, west. from the, the thing person. To start, I, th- I don't know. I don't remember if we linked this particular book. Yeah, I book. did. Okay, I did, yeah. yeah. East Goes West would be the one to check out for him. Right, which is a novel. Yeah. It's essentially an autobiographical novel. And I think that I think that stuff's really good to do is to like, you know, read people's actual experiences yeah. of this stuff. It should still be taken with a grain of salt, right? Like he still has a point of view here. Of course, and his point like, of view is the point of view of the person who like, like Mahit or Gregor Magistros, like it falls in love in a in a kind of a desperate way with right. the imperial culture that he can't help but apply to for sucker. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yep, it's, it's yep. very particular point of view, right? But it's it's a good one to understand. Yeah. So cool. Okay, with that, is there anything else that we should mention either about this book or other stuff? Like, do is there anything we didn't talk about kind of in relation to this book? I'm glad we could remember a memory of, about Empire so well. Because it's been a few <laughs> days. Okay. 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 <laughs> no, we remembered yep. memories. Yeah, we, we had, had a lot of remembered had, memories. I had, you know, I remembered the conversation and remember the memories called Empire. And then after this, we'll remember our memories about memories. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you know, I think that's it. Uh, I you know, I'm glad. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we like read and talked about this book. I you know. Like, unfortunately, again, it's sort of like not for me, but that's okay. Like, yeah. not every book has to and, be. And, and, I, I, and I hope other people enjoyed it. I know a lot of people read it, whether on our recommendation or not, but yeah. like, you know, I hope people have enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I think other people will enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So next month we'll be back. We actually already recorded the pre-read, so we'll be talking about um, Ghost Network by Katie Disabato. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I should check that out. Um, But that's been really fun. I've started reading that, and that's been really fun. So it'll be interesting. We have a guest as well um which will be good and yeah so that'll that'll the pre-read will come out next week uh we'll have a few bonus episodes and then the post-read at the end of february so cool thanks everyone for listening i'll always remember my memories of remembering about the memory called empire (laughs) all right (laughs) i don't even know how to respond to that (laughs) so i'm not going to Uh, well with that you know thank you for everyone for listening uh thanks to wj for our music and noah bradley for our artwork um you can follow us on twitter at spectology pod if you would like to chat with us or follow us you know we definitely i'm I'm pretty active there and try to talk to people a lot um i I enjoy it uh also if you want to email us like mention anything you know something we forgot had an idea whatever um you know, email us at spectologypod or spectologypod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for social media or ways to contact us. You know, we're at spectology.com. You know, like rate if you want to rate anything we do on the on the iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, that's always appreciated. And um, yeah, we will we'll be back next week. As always. Bye Matt. Oh, I thought you were gonna do some sort of new outro slogan. As always. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking on my feet is not my strong point. I'm I'm this is not a comedy podcast and I am, you know, not not an it improv isn't? guy. <laughs> what have I been doing? I mean I think people are laughing at me, but not with me. <laughs> Heart and soul comedy. All right. Thanks, well, dude. See you dude. Bye. Right.